Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. Today you have me, Jared, the Review Gnome, with another interview showcasing an RPG creator with an exciting product on the horizon. Hello, today on the Gnomecast we have a special guest. Could you introduce yourself and let our audience know where they might know you from in the world of RPGs? Hi, my name's Kimmy. I run the Happy Jacks RPG network of podcasts and streams. I also GM and play in some of the APs on there and give advice on Fridays with a little bit of drinking involved. I also have recently started a gaming company called Golden Lasso Games, and uh, I have my very first game that's kickstarting. Starting on February 2nd, um, you can go to goldenlassogames.com slash kickstarter, and you can find out about my game Decimo, which I think is what we're going to talk about today, right, Jared? That is exactly what we're going to talk about today. So would you care to explain to the audience what Decima is? Decima is the R&D for your RPG. So basically, it's a tarot-based tool that you can use before you start a campaign in any system that creates connections between the characters creates locations, like it actually um, makes an actual map you can look at and reference during the campaign. And it also creates kind of the reputation and like history of your party in the world that you're playing in. And it does this all in about, uh, it can be around 90 minutes. Sometimes it takes a little more, sometimes it takes a little less, depending on how big your your group is. And it's a, it's a, if you've played For the Queen, it's very kind of in that style where everyone's dealt specific cards and you're asked and you are asked questions on those cards. So it's a lot of fun and it gives the GM and the players uh, a ton of tools, a ton of story hooks and possible plot lines to follow um, before you even get started in the campaign. I love For the Queen. Um, I'm actually signed up to play that at a convention this weekend. So I'm really oh, awesome. looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that was, it was, Decimo was uh, very inspired by that and a lot of kind of similar question games. Uh, I'm a, in real life and quote unquote real life, I'm a fourth grade teacher. So I have a great appreciation for questions and prompts and how they get people thinking. So I just kind of love that style of game. That sounds awesome. Would you care to elaborate on how Decima helps you build character connections? Sure, yeah. There's different suits in a tarot deck. So what I've done is I've split the, the suits of the deck, into to, and each set does a different thing. So for example, the cups and the wands are the, are the suits that do the character connections in Decima. So everyone's dealt a hand at the beginning of the game. And in that... In those are cards that are meant for character connections. There's cards that are meant for locations. And then there are ones that are meant for the group dynamics, as I like to call them in the world. So basically what you do is you come to the table of Decima with at least a concept for your character. Um, You don't have to have a whole finished character sheet, although if you do, that's great too. Um, But if you sit down and you're like, I am Sally, the barmaid turned adventurer, I love sword fighting and you know I've lived on a farm most of my life. Boom, you've got enough to sit down and play Decima. So then what you do is you and the other people at the table each get cards. And as you flip over these cards, they have questions on them. And you will work with your group to answer those questions and it creates connections between the other people. So for example, I'm looking at one right now, I just flipped over. It says, blank gave you bad advice and you paid the price. What happened? 
So they're very open-ended questions. Blank would be another PC. So you'd put in another character's name in there. And there's so many possibilities. There's 78 cards in a tarot deck and each (laughs) card has two questions on it. So, and it, just like tarot cards, uh, the direction of the card matters. So all the questions are actually based on the meaning of the tarot card. Some people are very big believers in tarot. I tend to think of it um, as a kind of like an inkblot test where it like helps you kind of think about the things that are already on your mind. Mm-hmm. But every single card in the whole deck has different meanings. And then those meanings change whether the card is facing up when you flip it over or facing upside down. So Deckham is the same way. You get dealt a hand and then you flip over the card and whichever way it's facing you answer the question that's facing you. So it's sort of got like this like feeling of fate, like this is the question you're fated to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's amazing what people come up with. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, there was, back when I was running my uh, 7C game, there was a tarot type uh, card set associated with that. Yeah. And I wanted to use that because um, the sign that you're born under has an effect on the characters, but it didn't quite feel dynamic enough for me to want to <laughs> impose that on anyone. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this uh, how this works out. Uh, would you care to go into how this helps you build locations in a campaign? Sure. Very similar. Same thing with the with the location cards, except you actually have a blank piece of paper in the middle of the table. Or if you're playing online, you can use Google Draw or something similar. I've done that very successfully before. And as you come up with things from the location, you also add things to the map. So the location questions aren't just like, you know, it's, some of them are like, where do we go when we're feeling good in our in our location? So most important thing is like, you kind of have to figure out what your location is when you start the game. Uh, if you're playing in the Wild West, it's probably a Wild West town. I've made everything from a single house, like we did a haunted house game. So we sat there and everybody added details to this particular house, different rooms, um, mm-hmm. scary things, different scary things in it, um, to like whole kingdoms where there were like different cities and villages and things we added in a mountain range. So it's really, really flexible in that way. And as you add things to this map as you go, it's really great because when you come to, t- I noticed it most when I've used it, I used it for a Wild West campaign I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'd used it. And I was GMing and we all built this town together, uh, Rainbow Springs. And the first session, I realized I wasn't answering as many questions as I usually do as a GM because my players had built the town with me. They knew as much about it as I did. And I was, of course, free to add stuff in as the GM. You can do that. Like, oh, I'm going to add in some NPCs. But it was so cool because their characters supposedly had lived in this town for years. So instead of them saying, oh, I walked to the saloon. Where's the saloon? Like out of character. Like they knew where the saloon was. They knew who the barkeep was behind that, you know, behind the bar already. They knew everything about it. They knew what was next door. So it was such a... There was so much buy-in, like just at the beginning of that campaign, because they just like they felt some ownership, and their characters already were were experts on it, and it was it made it so much easier to immediately dive into the story rather than kind of how there's like those awkward moments in the first few sessions of a campaign, yeah, <laughs> where they're like, okay, uh, I want to do this. Is there that in the town? You know, and you're like, your character would know that, but they don't because you know you made the town. Yeah. So it really helps kind of smooth that over. It also kind of adds a flavor that doesn't always happen in a campaign. There's some questions that are like, 
One of my favorite ones is people in our location are superstitious about something. What do they feel? uh, uh, What do they think brings bad luck and things like that? So it's not just like where buildings are uh, in the town or, you know, where the the water Mm -hmm. treatment plant is in our generation ship or whatever. It's like cultural things too. Like, okay, we have, we have a word we say when something is good. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we think about that today. Like we all say, Oh, that's cool. Or whatever in modern, like in our real lives, Mm -hmm. like there should be like weird, weird words like that too. Especially if you're somewhere like on a generation ship or on a colony on Mars or like, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're going to develop those things. So I don't know. It's really neat. And they also help build NPCs. Because, you know, when you put a saloon down, you know, who, who's the barkeep? Who owns the saloon? You <laughs> yeah. know, things like that. It's over the uh, summer, I had uh, run Rapscallion. Mm-hmm. It's a pirate themed game for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that they they say that you can do in that is let everyone create a location in the setting. Yeah. And I went into that that whole thing completely blank. And I let everyone build the different cities and the islands and the ports. And I just ran with all that. And it's great having that buy-in right off the, you know, right off the start there when you start playing. Yeah. It's, it's just magical and it saves you so much time. And I know there's a lot of um, like, I know me and my friends were kind of doing this all kind of ad hoc with different bits and pieces from other games. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I've done campaigns where like we played microscope part of the way through Like we did part of microscope to like get uh, something built that we could all use. But again, that's not really like the goal of microscope. Like microscope tells a full narrative story and it's, own. right. So, and there's also other games, like there's um, the quiet ear, which is a great kind of like, community building game but again it's meant to be a narrative story where you play all the way through from the beginning to the end of this quiet year that happens in this this location Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of cool things that do that but it's not none of them are really designed specifically to prepare for a campaign right now it's interesting because i really do like having these kind of uh, tools to connect characters ahead of time but since you mentioned microscope is this something that let's say you don't have a campaign in mind that you could just pass an evening answering these questions and have a full uh, play experience absolutely it does you have to you have to add on the resolution there is one uh, we have a whole bunch of different ways of playing decima so but one of the ways is like as a standalone game and the way you do that is kind of when you get to the end of the game, it, it kind of does, <laughs> if you play it as is, it kind of leaves you, I don't know if I can say this on your po- podcast, but uh, campaign blue balls is like what my <laughs> friends, <laughs> that's what my friends have, have dubbed it. Um, Cause we, they've had, they've had to play test it so many times and they're just like, we just want to play these amazing campaigns. We come up with these amazing <laughs> places and these amazing characters with all this history. And then we just move on to the next game. <laughs> um, <laughs> But there's a little bit of that. So um, one of the, it, it's really fun. We have a great time. It's one of those things people have started pulling out at conventions lately, like mm-hmm. in between sessions. Um, generally, what uh, the rules for a standalone play are basically at the end when you've created this the world and you've created your your character connections and your characters, you basically epilogue at the end. So everyone gets a moment to kind of talk about their character and epilogue, and that can take a lot of forms. I've had people just like narrate a small scene. Mm-hmm. I've also had people like say what like happens to their character over the next year or so. 
So it's kind of a, a great way for a player to find closure in their own kind of way and in a, a little bit of a narrative and creative way. See, that's that's been one of the things that has kind of fascinated me sometimes um, is the idea when people run into like in a campaign where there's another adventuring party mm-hmm. you know, or someone that was an adventuring party in the past. I like that idea of being able to pull this out and maybe telling the story of that adventuring company and then coming back to the regular campaign so that you now have that complete legend that exists in your campaign ancillary to the campaign that you're currently playing. Absolutely. And I actually did this last week. I'm running a a masks actual play right now. And um, we had a new person come in and be for a a game to sub for a spot because we had a player out. So, you know, it's a high school, a super powered high school. So it was another student there. So like, obviously they would know this other student. So I just handed out two of the character connection cards to each person. We didn't bother to do the location and stuff because we'd already done that at the beginning of the campaign. Mm-hmm. But we just went around and an- everybody answered two questions and basically did quick character connections um, and had histories in like 15 minutes, 10 minutes with this new character that was just being introduced like they'd known them for years. As a side note, I'd just like to say, if you haven't listened to Eidolon Academy, <laughs> it's a really good show. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wish I could take credit for it, but I just like throw the toys out and they they play with the toys and they make an amazing, amazing story with it. Um, But yeah, it's lots of fun. But yeah, so that's a great, great kind of example. I've also had some people write in for other uses that like I I wouldn't expect because we've had it in in playtesting for about a year now. So Mm -hmm. I've had a bunch of feedback from actually all over the world, which is the most surprising thing. (laughs) Um, people write in from like Norway. You're like, oh my God, people in Norway are playing my game. That's very strange. (laughs) But I've had people uh, use them as love letters, especially when they're playing PBTA games. Mm -hmm. Um, Like instead of doing a love, like if there's been a big break in the campaign, you know, like, because that's what happens in real life is people get busy (laughs) and you don't play for two months or whatever. Uh, Come back and do a couple of cards just to kind of warm people up and get them back in the, the feel of it. And add a few more little connections from the past. And I actually had a writer write in. And I don't even know if they play RPGs. But they <laughs> said, yeah, hey, I saw this. And I tried it. And it actually was really great for my writer's block. That's awesome. Yeah, with a book that they were working on. Or I assume it was a book. They didn't tell me exactly what they were writing. But I was I was like, oh, that's amazing. They played it like by themselves, actually. They just dealt themselves a hand. Uh-huh. And like done it themselves for the characters they were writing in their head. That is amazing. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that that would be a thing, but like, yeah, it was very cool. Um, would you like to explain a little bit about why Tarot spoke to you for uh, the format for this sort of tool? Yeah, I kind of, it, it's a, it's kind of on theme for the game. Like I said before, like there are people who believe um, in the power of Tarot and, and I feel like it does have a, a great ability to kind of unlock the things that you're thinking about. I loved the the fact that each card had meaning mm-hmm. and knowing myself and uh, being a te- again, being a teacher for over a decade, having some direction with each card of wh- what the question should be like was very helpful with that. Uh-huh. Um, if I was trying to just come up with, you know, 52 times two random questions for a regular poker deck, I'm not sure it would have the same kind of symbolic meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you're saying. It, yeah. It, it, 
in a in a way, this tool that guides people guided you because it is set up in a format that is already kind of a guide in and of itself. Right, exactly. It's it's a it's a format that's meant to be interpreted and meant to kind of be a kind of a like eye-opening experience, something that mm. re- that reveals things that aren't like right in front of you. And that's kind of the, a theme I like with with Decima because even though you know your character, you can get to know your character much better when people are asking you questions that maybe you hadn't considered before. Oh yeah, definitely. So I, I love that. Um, I also just practically, as far as the mechanics of it, the fact that there are 78 cards rather than just 52 cards gives mm-hmm. you so many more possibilities. You can play, there's two cards on every one of the 70, or two questions on every one of the 78 cards. Like you could play Decima for literally years straight and never get the same set of questions for your game, which <laughs> I love. <laughs> Um, and then again, practically, there's um, basically five suits in tarot when there's only four in a regular poker deck. Um, you've right. got the cups, you've got the wands, you have the swords, and you have the coins, and then you have the major arcana. So I was able to then split the deck into the three different types of cards I wanted very easily. Mm-hmm. So the major arcana is the group dynamics and the group politics of the world. Like I said earlier, the cups and the wands are the character connections and then the swords and the coins are the location questions that is really cool and i was already interested in this i'm getting more interested in it the longer this interview goes (laughs) along (laughs) kind of the goal but um the other thing about it is like splitting the deck up like that i wanted something that was very flexible this game was very inspired by pbta games because i I'm obviously a big fan of that since I'm running masks right now. Um, and I was finding, again, like I said, with my, my friends doing like pulling microscope and a, the quiet ear and things like that to create places for our games. Um, mm-hmm. I was finding that I was also, and we were also pulling the character connection questions from PBTA systems and using them with other systems. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, I love it so much. But that's very much what inspired me to be like, you know what, there should be just a generic tool that does all this, that we don't have to pull bits and pieces from all these other places. And I really wanted it to be very flexible because if I am playing PBTA, like Masks, for example, has fantastic character connection questions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to mess with those, especially like, not to get super nitty gritty, but like the bull, the bull playbook, like part uh-huh. of the mechanics of that playbook are tied to some of your character connection questions. So you definitely don't want to like replace that. So the cool thing about Decima is you can pick which parts of the deck you use. So if I was playing masks, I would probably not use the character connection questions from Decima. I would mm-hmm. just use the location cards and I would use the group dynamic cards. So it's really easy just to pull out because they're even color coded on the back. It's like, oh, those are the red cards. I'll pull those <laughs> out and then just play with the purple and the blue cards. Or if you are, you know, if you're into D&D and you're playing uh, an adventure in Waterdeep or wherever else, obviously you have a very fleshed out location already. You probably have a million maps already. Um, (laughs) You don't need the locations. So you can just do like the character connections or the group and the group dynamics, etc. Oh, yeah. I really like that modularity. That is that's great. And uh, and honestly, what you were saying, too, um, part of why this appeals to me is because I love a wide range of games, Mm -hmm. but there are so many games that don't have that same level of engagement for connecting a party that a lot of PBTA games have. And even when I don't want to play a PBTA game, I kind of 
have gotten used to having that tool for connecting things and I miss it when I don't have it. Yeah, totally. It's just a jump start to everything. Like rather than having like, uh, you know, oh, I walk into the saloon and I look around to see, does anyone look like they were hired by the same, you know, those things where you're like sitting at a table with, you know, four of your probably close friends and then your characters have to pretend to be strangers for, you know, two or three sessions. It's a little bit like, uh, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes that's fun. Like that can be fun sometimes. I, I, I'm very fond of doing that with like curmudgeon dwarves. But <laughs> but it's also just like so cool if you can be like, just jump in. And even if you haven't seen each other for a while, even if you're just showing up to do a job together for the first time, oh, um, you know, they used to... Uh, do, we used to do jobs together, but, you know, the last one went bad. And so now I'm not sure if I trust them. So now it's not just like surface level distrust. It's like you have a reason for that. And that's yeah, like the greatest <laughs> gift you can give a GM ever. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I hear tarot cards, I think of artwork. Is there mm-hmm. anything you would like to say about the artwork of these cards? Oh, I'm very excited about the artwork. So I, my friend, Samantha Terry, is a fantastic artist. She's done stuff for Blizzard, for DC Comics. Um, This is what she does for a living is she does incredible artwork. Um, And she's my friend. So I managed to convince her to (laughs) jump onto the Decima team with me. Um, We're very excited. We have an all-woman team. So it's very exciting, all of us working together. Much wine has been had. And uh, (laughs) she's doing this fantastic art. So we really thought about it for a long time because tarot decks tend to be very evocative of specific styles. And that's really what they're known for. A lot of them are very iconic. And so I wanted to make sure it was something that could be used with any type of system because I've spent over a year now, you know, creating the questions, redoing the questions so that they're good with any setting in any system. And I have finally got it to a point where it really works for anything like Mm -hmm. haunted house to space travel to fantasy, like anything. So I really wanted to make sure that the art also was sort of that flexible, but without being generic. <laughs> yeah. As hard as that is. So we finally decided <laughs> on a style that is um, very inspired by shadow puppets, actually. So oh, that yeah, so there's a lot of cool bright colors in the back, but a lot of like the main figures um, are, are very often very silhouetted because I want people to be able to look at the cards and imagine the world they're creating in them and the characters that they are in them. Mm -hmm. So that way it doesn't look too fantasy. It doesn't look too sci-fi, any of those things. So, and if you go to the Kickstarter page, there are examples up. She's already done a couple of the cards and is starting on more. So you can look and see the artwork up there. That sounds awesome. Speaking of other people working on this project, would you like to uh, talk about any of your other contributors? Oh my gosh, they're amazing. Well, Samantha, I've already talked about. She's incredible. My friend, Abria Iyengar, uh, who's also in my Eidolon Academy game. Um, she has been our director of development and director of marketing because she's fantastic at those things. She's the CEO of Dice Envy, the company. So she knows all the things social media. She's even told me what, like, taught me what TikTok is, which is this thing. I don't know. <laughs> she's, she's forcing me to be very, very adventurous with my social media. And then I was lucky enough to have my friend Mac Beauvais, again, another friend who I often game with, all of these wonderful, wonderful women I love very much. Um, (laughs) She's in charge of our merchandise. So she's our director of merchandise. And that's literally what she does for a living as well. So she does merchandising for 
a lot of very cool companies. I'm not sure if she'd want me like naming them. <laughs> I feel like I'm name dropping. <laughs> but uh, so she's been a great asset for the team and making sure that we had excellent price points for things that when we, you know, planned out our our reward tiers and things like that, everything was high quality, but but also something that was actually doable. That we have actual price quotes from like real people at the company and not just like website estimates. Yeah. Having, having some realistic uh, grounding in what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's great. Like they're all three are just such fantastic powerhouse women who know their stuff so well. And I am so grateful that I have all of them with me because um, I'm really great at grading papers um, and I'm really good at spreadsheets and writing questions evidently, but there are some things I have learned so much just from their expertise and their knowledge. <laughs> so speaking of having a plan going forward, what does your timetable look like for this? So the the PDF version of Decima, um, we're already in process of creating that. We're working hard to make it sure it is um, has as many accessibility features as possible. I, after we're, uh, we're launching on February 2nd, we have 30 days. Hopefully we'll be funded. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we're already funded. Who knows? Um, <laughs> fingers crossed, right? So I'm a, I'm thinking that uh, like within probably a month of uh, ending the Kickstarter, if we've been funded, then we can get the PDFs out to people, and that's something that's like at most tiers. And because that will be that does not that will not have the artwork on it. it has um, for those of you who've played the Quiet Year, it's basically charts where you can play the game with any deck of tarot cards. It's a little mm-hmm. clunky because you have to like look up what each card means, but yeah. it's completely functional. It's the whole game. It's it's all there, and it's very similar to the beta testing document. If you happen to be one of the people who beta tested, except it looks a lot better, and there's no typos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> knock on wood. Knock on wood. There's no typos. Um, <laughs> as far as the artwork, that's obviously the piece that takes the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, so Samantha's work, uh, worked up a timeline where she's seeing herself finishing, depending on where we get our first goal, uh, 10,000 is she's going to do all the major arcana. And then we do a little bit more generic minor arcana cards. So for example, like the five of swords will have five very cool looking swords on it, but you know, the six of swords will have those six very cool looking swords on them. So that's obviously a much quicker process. Yeah. Um, if we, if we, um, one of our stretch goals is for her to do a full individual, every single card deck of tarot cards for the game. If we get to that, that'll extend the timeline slightly. So that <laughs> timeline will probably finish closer to November of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as far as our manufacturing, that we have about a 25 day turnaround, um, 25 to 35 day turnaround when we get the artwork finished and to get it printed and get it here. So then I'll have it all stacked in my living room and I will start packaging it (laughs) and mailing it out. So we're looking at the early part of 2021 to actually have, if, if we get the stretch goal of all the individual artwork, Uh if we don't hit that stretch goal, if we just hit meet our base goal, that's still incredibly great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very exciting. Um, But that was shortened the timeline uh, probably by a few months. We're probably looking more like fall or winter of 2020 if we do that. So is there, any last uh, things that you would like to share with the Gnomecast audience? Oh my gosh. Um, no, uh, I'm just really excited about this. This uh, this is not the first game I've designed. <laughs> it's the first game I started designing. 
<laughs> and then I have heard that story a few times. Right. So, and then I got this out and I got it beta testing, um, was getting feedback on it. And I designed another game called Virgins and Vixens, uh, which is a game about breaking the tropes of women in mm-hmm. folklore, fairy tales, and myths. And that I put that together actually for an itch.io game jam in less than two weeks, <laughs> but I'm very proud of that. So that if you go to goldenhousegames.com, that's also there. You can buy it for three dollars. It's a great, great deal. And but no, it's the first time I've kickstarted a game, so or, or anything actually. Period. Any Kickstarter ever. I'm lucky. My team has done it a couple times, mm-hmm. but I'm very excited. I'm very nervous. Um, so yeah, I would, if you are interested, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in for your game. Again, it works with any setting, any system. And uh, yeah, check it out and help support our Kickstarter. Help independent game designers. <laughs> I was going to say, I I heard you use this in uh, one of the Demigods games that you played on the network. Yeah. And I also heard uh, when you started this up for Eidolon Academy, and I've been excited to check it out ever since I heard your implementation of it. So I'm really looking forward to this. I really hope this does well for you because it sounds like a great, great product. I love I love additional tools for <laughs> RPGs. Like I, I, as much as I love RPGs, I also love when we explore what else we can do to facilitate and make the experience better as well. Right. Absolutely. And another cool thing about it is it's super portable. You don't need a big book. Like the entire game fits in the box of cards. So if you can stick a box of cards in your gaming bag, like you have Decimo with you always and can use it at any point. That sounds awesome. (laughs) So where can people find you on the internet? For the games that I design, they can find me at goldenlassogames.com. As far as social media, I am at Golden Lasso Girl everywhere. There's a big Wonder Woman theme going. I know you probably picked <laughs> up on it. Um, <laughs> so, and I'm really active on Twitter. A little less active on Instagram at the moment because I'm so busy with the Kickstarter, but I do cosplay and stuff. And there's a bunch of crazy pictures there of that. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm Golden Lasso Girl everywhere. Um, if you're interested in the Happy Jacks RPG Network, listening to me GM or play crazy characters or give some advice, you can check that out at happyjacks.org. That is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Gnomecast. I really appreciate it. No, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I'm really looking forward to this project and I really hope that it does well for you. This sounds really great. Yeah. Thank you again for being on the show. Yeah. This show is funded by the Gnomes Do Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomes Do website to the Gnomes Do Patreon. This ad brought to you by the deck of a reasonable amount of things. A smaller and more manageable number of random cosmic events, but with the same ratio of destiny-wrecking results you've come to know and love. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like one of the many other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. She's a Super Geek. She's a Super Geek is an any-nominated actual play RPG podcast highlighting women as GMs. Join them every other Tuesday for lots of different RPGs and guests. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Rob, you have to edit this part out.